भद्रम कर्णेसृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुवागम सस्तनोभि व्यशेम देवितयदायु स्वस्ती न इंद्रो वृद्धस्रवा स्वस्ती न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्तीर्णस्ताक्षोरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ती नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शांत शांत शांति हरि ओम May we hear with our ears what is auspicious. May we see with our eyes what is auspicious. While praying with steady limbs, may we attain the lifespan allotted to us. May Indra bestow well-being on us. May Pushan, the god of earth, who is all-knowing, bestow well-being on us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil, bestow well-being on us. May Brihaspati also. वस्त्र वेलबिंग ऑन अस ओम शांति 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 सो इन द लास्ट क्लास वी वर स्टडीइंग द सेवेंथ मंत्र ऑफ द सेकंड चैप्टर ऑफ सेकंड पार्ट ऑफ मुंडकोपनिषद इन व्हिच इट इज बीइंग डिस्क्राइब्ड दैट ब्रह्मन शुड बी कॉन्टेम्पलेटेड इन द लोटस ऑफ द हार्ट यह सर्वज्ञ सर्वविद अस्य एषा महिमा भुवि दिव्य ब्रह्मपुरे ही एष व्योमि आत्मा प्रतिष्ठित मनोमय प्राण शरीर नेता प्रतिष्ठित अन्ने हृदय सन्निधा तत्ज्ञान पिपश्य धीरा आनंद अमृत यति सो दफ इज ओमनीसियंट इन जनरल एंड ऑल नोइंग इन डिटेल दट्स वॉट इज मेड बाय सर्वज्ञ एंड सर्वविद so he knows everything in general and everything in detail so as everything is being projected from brahman so that's why he is omniscient as per the general aspect of everything is concerned as well as the specific aspect in details everything he knows so that's his greatness and to him belongs all the glory in the world yes sarvagya sarvavit asya esha mahima puri so he has to be meditated where divya brahmapurehi esha vyomni atma pratishthit so is placed in the space within the luminous city of brahman so there we have to meditate on the heart so as in the last class we were describing that though the brahman is pervading the entire universe he is omniscient he is omni present but his presence is felt in the heart so that's why it is being instructed that the heart is the best place to meditate on brahman as light is everywhere we need our eyes to see the eye is the center of vision here yeah, sound is everywhere when the sound is emanated it is everywhere but we need our ears to hear it similarly brahman is all pervading but his presence is felt in the cave of our heart so he has to be meditated upon there 
as in the last class we were indicating, that he has to be, the Brahman has to be somehow associated with our emotional faculty. That all the vrittis which we have are associated with emotional faculties. That's why that gives them, that renders them their strength. And if our spiritual practice is just a mere resolution, we will find that the, all the emotions, all the feelings associated uh, with all our thoughts are so strong that just the contemplation with the resolution, just by the willpower is not sufficient to interact with the force which we find in all our instincts. So it has to be, it has to go to the, our emotions. It has to go, get uh, associated with our feelings, with our emotions. And that's why the heart is the best place to meditate upon Brahman. The Brahman who is Manomaya, he finds expression through our mind, Prana, Sharira, Neta. He finds expression through all our vitality, even the vitality which even entails the transmigration of the soul from one body to the other. That's the Prana, Sharira, Neta. Pratishthita Anne, he finds expression through the body. So, tat vijyanena paripashyanti dhira ananda rupam amritam yadvibhati. So, when by calming down our mind, the dhira, the wise one, paripashyanti, it's not just simply the seeing through our senses. It is seeing the, it is just being established in the subject, paripashyanti. So, this is a special way of seeing. It is realizing the self in the self. And when that vijnana, it's not just mere intellectual knowledge. It's something which is realization. Vijnana speaks of that. It is something which I have realized. So when that realization happens and when it happens, when the wise of calm man, of, the, of calm mind, of tranquil mind has went to that state where he has become Shuddha Buddhi Shuddha Monir Gochur. He has become the something comprehensible with a pure mind. And how he is visible? He is, he is seen as Ananda Rupam, full of bliss, Amritam. And that bliss is something which is eternal. It has no beginning, no end. That the essence of our being, which is bliss and bliss alone, and which is eternal, that becomes effulgent, vibhati, that becomes effulgent, that manifests through our body, mind, senses. We find the presence of the Brahman in the core of our being, which as if is percolating our mind, our senses, our body, our all the vitality that becomes palpably realizable. It becomes something karatala amala kavat, as Shankaracharya, in the words of Shankaracharya, that when we go to that realization, the truth becomes something as palpable as a fruit in my hand. And that was what which was spoken of in the seventh mantra of the second chapter of second part of Mundaka Upanishad. So here the practice has been indicated to go on contemplating on the ultimate reality with the help of Omkara, 
the vachaka of the Ishwara of Brahman. Whenever I just go on contemplating the tat japam tat artha bhavanam, when I repeat Om, it is not mechanical. I am also thinking the significance behind it. And that's the thought which contains, which can contain all other thoughts. And that and that alone can lead us to that realization. And when that realization happens, what's the result? So here in the scriptures, they again and again will speak of the result because we cannot even motivate even a fool to do something unless the result is known. So what's the result? That will be spoken of in the eighth mantra. So just in short, in gist, we discuss the seventh mantra. It is just a part of a recapitulation. Now let us proceed to the eighth mantra, which speaks the result which ensues from such realization. It's a very important mantra. What's that mantra? The eighth mantra of the second chapter or second part of Mundakopanishad. Vidyate Ridaya Granthi, Chidyante Sarva Sankshayaha, Kshiyante Chasya Karmani, Tasmin Drishte Paravare, Vidyate Ridaya Granthi. So the fetters of the heart are broken. Chidyante Sarva Sankshayaha. All doubts are resolved. All the knots of the heart are broken. Our heart has innumerable knots. They are all broken. Chidyanti Sarva Sankshayaha. All the doubts vanish once for all. Kshiyante Chasya Karmani. The effects of work, all the work, cease to bear fruit. They won't bear fruit anymore. The unending cycle of birth and death because of the fruition of our actions, of our past, that stops. All the work ceases to bear fruit. Kshiyante chasya karmani tasmin drishte paravare. When he is behold, who is both high and low. Means the Brahman finds expression high means as the mind, the cause, and from the mind, the universe has came. That's the low. That's all the tangible, visible, perceptible physical universe. That is the low. Behind that, the cause is the cosmic mind. And even in our individual existence, our mind, and then comes the body. So that's the high and the low. The mind is the cause. The body is the effect. It is the samskaras of our mind that results in the birth, next birth. So it is a mind which results in the body, not the other way around. That as generally we feel that it is the body from which the mind, as if the brain, we equate the brain with the mind, that it has evolved from the body. No, actually it is just the opposite. It is the mind which from which the body is emanated. As in the scriptures, they give a very nice example. Just the way the nail, it grows, we pair it off, again it grows. Similarly, the mind is like the nail. One after other, the body is coming out, it's being paired off, another body comes. So mind is the cause and 
this physical body is the effect. So that is para and avara. So the one who is beyond the mind and the senses and the body, who is beyond them, who transcends them, at the same time, he is the one who is being projected as the body and mind. But he transcends both of them. So the one who has seen him, seen the one who is this, who is both the high and the low, who is being projected as both the high and the low. Once he's realized, all the knots of the heart are cut asunder, all the doubts vanish once for all, are resolved once for all. So all the effects of karma, the results of karma, which were supposed to bear fruit, won't bear fruit anymore. So these are the th- three things, the three results which ensues, which follows once we realize the Brahman in the core of your heart. So the fetters of the heart, that is to say the various desires that cling to the heart prior to the knowledge of Brahman. So as we have described again and again, that all these various knots, what are these knots? That in the process of evolution, because of avidya, because of ignorance, the asmita comes into being. The Brahman, when reflects in the psychophysical existence, that finds expression as the Atman, as the ego. That gives a sense of limited individuality. From that, from avidya comes asmita, and that from that, raga, dvesha, abhinivesha follows. Attachment, hatred, fear. That when I identify myself with a physical body, someone behind me is echoing. The self is echoing that you are eternal. But I find that echo coming from the body-mind senses. And I delude that, that eternity by confusing it to be something which, to be, which has to be attributed to the body, mind and senses. And your attempt to realize that eternity in the flow called body-mind senses, the entire biological evolution proceeds. And in the process, innumerable mental modules are formed. How they are formed? That when because of asmita, I am having raga, attachment, attachment to the things which is favorable for my psychophysical existence. So particular stimuli, when I see the nutrition is there, I am drawn towards it. So this is a particular stimuli resulting in a particular response. And this stimuli response conditioning becomes one granthi. Something which is poison, I am repelled by it. Some toxic, I'm repelled by it. So stimuli is the toxin, repulsion is the response. This is another response. Like that in the process of evolution through various births, through various biological process, innumerable such mental modules has formed with fixed stimuli response conditioning. And these all modules constitutes my mind. And they're all, they're all tagged. They're all knotted to the ego, the sense of this individual identity. So this is the Hridaya Granthi. So when I am contemplating on Brahman, 
I have started a new mental module. The, all the mental modules are present by default. The spiritual sadhana speaks of designing a new mental module. What's that? I'm contemplating on the fact that because of ignorance, I forgot my real identity, that there is nothing required to realize my eternity through something which is a flow. I'm already, I'm already eternal because of the delusion that seeing the reflection, think, taking the reflection to be real, I take the reflection to be real and try to realize the eternity on the thing on which it has been reflected. Now I know for certain that this is a delusion. So how to get rid of the delusion now? Constantly I go on contemplating on the fact that I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. The biological evolution stops. Even the intellectual evolution that leads to the higher forms of life. From the human being, as a human being, we will find the biological evolution stops there. With all our degrees, qualifications, what is happening, it is all intellectual evolution. We are not growing anymore biologically as the other animals has happened. But that speaks of going to Swarga, heaven, or enjoying life here or hereafter. So, but here we find a different type of intellectual evolution. What's that? It's nivritti. Till now, everything was pravritti. It was leading to bhoga. It was leading to enjoyment. Now comes apavarga. This liberation by nivritti. I detach myself. That this flow is our, the product of ignorance. I am something apart from it. I did not, I need not have to attain eternity. Eternity is the core of my being. Because of my ignorance, I was trying to realize that eternity in something which is not eternal. Now I have realized that I stand apart from it. And I constantly go on contemplating on the fact that I am Brahman. I'm not the body, not the mind, not the senses. And this creates a new mental module. With the contemplation, you're creating Brahma Kara Vritti. Brahma Akara. It is not exactly Brahma. It is exactly the shape of Akara. Like it is, has taken the form of Brahman. Still it is a Vritti. Still it is a thought which has as if taken the form of Brahma. Brahma Akara Vritti. That is called Brahma Kara Vritti. When constantly this thought process is going on in the mind. That is that that has the capacity, that has the strength to get rid of that false ego. Because ego is based on the fact that I am the body-mind sense complex. And this new vritti is constantly making us aware of the fact that I am not. And when the hub of the will, the ego, can be hammered out, all the spokes which speaks of the Hridaya Granthi, the various knots with which all the spikes, the innumerable mental modules are connected. They all fall off once at a time. So that's the idea behind the, this uh, phrase, that the fetters of the heart, they all fall off. When this Brahmakara Vritti, this breaks them off. 
So ignorance about the true self that this this uh, this what you say this uh, when you realize that you're the Atman, that's the time you become Aptakama. Means no more desires has to be fulfilled. Because all the desires was the product of ignorance. This Vidyati Ridhagranti can be understood from a different perspective also. From the perspective of the mental module, from the perspective of the enjoyment concept. That what's all enjoyment is. That whenever a desire is fulfilled, I feel bliss, happiness. What's that happiness? That happiness is actually the happiness of the self. In this life, we never get any happiness from the external world. However crude may be the happiness, it's always the self and self alone, which alone is the bliss from where that bliss has emanated. Even when we are doing wrong things out of because of inordinate attachment, and when our so-called desire is fulfilled, and the happiness that comes out, that is also from the self. You may say, how come? Yes, we have attained the, attained the thing which has to be attained in the wrong way. Why it's the wrong way? Because it won't entail in eternal happiness. That will come for a fraction of a second, but again, the other factors will be there to take it away from me in the next moment. The one who is a thief feels like stealing something. He succeeds in stealing something and, and he gets tremendous happiness. What has happened? That the desire to get something by wrong way, the desire to get something by wrong way has created the turmoil in his mind. When the mind, when there is a turmoil, the waves in the mind, like the self, the bliss aspect of the self is, uh, is never manifests. It gets obscured. So when a thief is trying to steal, his mind is full of those waves. He's tensed, he's worried. The ananda factor is not finding expression. When the moment he steals something, he gets the thing. What has happened? That yes, the object of desire he has got. So the waves of the mind, all the waves in the form of the desire, I have to get it in the wrong way. Yes, I have to get it, though in a wrong way, I have to get it. Those waves have just fallen flat. The mind is now calm for the time being. So the filtering factor, the waves of the mind is no more there. And the bliss that ensues is not from the thing which you got. It is from the tranquility of the mind, which allows the bliss aspect of the self to find expression through our body-mind complex. So you have got the correct thing in the wrong way. Why in the wrong way? The next moment, most probably I get caught. And for that, all the punishments, everything that ensues, again, clouds my mind. I'm gone. So this, I either I, I end up in paying a huge fine or I am in a jail. So the way you got that fraction, that little momentary happiness is now obscured. You cannot, again, resort to that way. So that's why Swami Vivekananda used to say very interesting 
there is nothing called good and bad everything is good this goodness is comp- is comparative there is that is everything is good you have to be better and try to be still means try to be the best best means when uh, there is no question of any vrittis arising in the mind it is always calm so as swami used to say that the difference is not in kind but in degrees that this good bad is a kind that's why when we differentiate by saying he is bad he is good we say as if we say that his that he, the type this is uh, goodness is a type evil is a type no the difference is in degree that is a lower degree of happiness why because that happiness won't be there it it the path i have resorted to it will take in away even if i am doing something in the correct way maybe i may enjoy it for a bit more time but still the nature gives us everything and takes everything back in certain point of time so then also the happiness may be more when i have resorted to all the desires of life in a legal way happiness may be more but that is not permanent so you will see it is all degrees when i am doing it in an illegal way the happiness is very short lived when i am doing it in a correct way it may be bit more long it has may have bit more long life but there it ends it doesn't speak of eternal happiness why it's again and again we are resorting to that karma means desire which speaks of the turbulence of the mind when it gets satisfied for the time being the mind is calm the happiness emanates and again a new desire comes it's gone so we can never become apta kama purna kama why apta kama means that desires has been fulfilled once for all it never comes back again it happens only when when all the hridaya granthi has fallen off and you are immersed in the contemplation of the self and that speaks of the tranquility which nothing else can disturb so that's the thing so this avidya kama karma karma this cycle has to stop this sequence has to stop by becoming apta kama purna kama where all the desires has fallen off once for all never to rise again so that's the idea behind this this phrase bhityate hridaya granthi chityante sarva sanshaya all the doubts that vanish because when the brahmakara vritti that the ego ego is dissolved all the mental modules collapses and when the actually the mind is constituted with these mental modules mind is not a single unit it is a composite of various mental modules when they have fallen you have gone beyond the mind and that takes you to the realization you are established in the self till now it was just an intellectual concept but when the ego has been hammered out the mind collapses with all the mental modules it has collapsed you go as if to the direct realization you realize the self in the self so and then only when and the only criteria for knowledge is realization that as we were we give that example 
that however we may try to explain the taste of mango to a person who have not tasted it. We may go on explaining with various examples. He may, the person who has not uh, tasted the mango may read many books on the taste of mango. But you also, it is something obvious that we all understand. But he can never understand, however he may try, with all this uh, academic knowledge, he can never realize the taste of mango. He has to test it. The moment he tests all this, uh, this literature is of no use. He will just simply keep them aside. The, real, the moment the realization dawns, that gives the conviction about the real taste of mango. There's all others will create doubts. There will be thousands of opinion created till we go to the realization. All those, uh, this from the concepts, the knowledge which arises from the concepts is bound to be varied. As we told that by hearing the taste of mango from a person who have tasted mango, that all the people who have heard, they will have various opinions based on the quota of experience they have. Someone uh, have tasted, uh, just hearing the taste of mango may say, mango is sweet like molasses. Someone may say, no, it is sweet like honey. Someone may say, no, it is sweet like the, some other thing like jaggery or whatever it may be. None of them are correct because they are trying to relate to the words with their available funds of experience. They have not went to the realization. So that's why this, there is bound to be confusion. There's bound to be tarka. When you go to the realization, once for all, all the sankshaya has vanished. So that is chidyante sarva sankshaya. When Naren was in search of God, he was going to the various religious leaders with the question, have you seen God? They were immediately resorting to lot of arguments, this uh, way of uh, what you say that logical reasoning to prove that God is. Naren immediately retorted back by saying, wait, sir, it's not those reasonings I'm speaking of. Have you seen God? He got no satisfactory answer. It's only when he went to Ramakrishna, the direct answer he got, yes. And not only yes, I can show it to you. The two things he told, yes, I have seen God. And that after that, what he's saying, I see him more clearly than I see you. The second thing and the third is, I can show it to you. So these are the very important things, means that I see him more clearly than I see you, what it speaks of. This all with the world which I am seeing is this, what you say that there are two types of knowledge, paroksha and aparoksha. Paroksha is all this knowledge, the self is uh, activating the mind and through the mind, it is being projected out through the senses to result in all the knowledge which we are having. So that when I see the red flower, the redness is not there. How I see the red flower? That a particular wavelength of light strikes my eyes and it gets converted into nervous current and it reaches the color perception center in the brain from where the color is as being projected on the flower to give it red. This, this uh, give the 
so, um, perception of redness. So what has happened? The self activated the mind and through the mind, it as if uh, passed through the senses to envelop the object, to enable the perceptual knowledge possible. All the perceptual knowledge has came that way. So it is something which is paroksha. Paroksha means that all the knowledge is not happening directly. The self with the help of the mind and the senses is having that knowledge. So as if you are wearing a tainted glass, if you're wearing a red glass, you see everything red. If you're wearing a blue glass, you see everything blue. So the way your mind and senses are constituted, accordingly you see the external world. So it's not the real vision. Just we know that our eyes are different from the eyes of an owl, an owl or any nocturnal animal can see in the night because they can see infrared light. We cannot see infrared light. Our senses are constituted in a different way from theirs. So our world is different from theirs. So why it is happening? Because our mind and senses are tainting our vision. So that's why it is paroksha that I'm using a tainted glass to see. And when Sri Ramakrishna is saying that I see more clearly than I see you, what a wonderful thing is saying that the knowledge of the Brahman is a paroksha. It is not through the mind and senses. It is the self established in the self. The prism has been taken away. The projection has fallen. The, all the projection has merged in the self. The self realizes the self within. So, so that's the thing which has been spoken of as when, you do, when that happens, then all the sanshaya, the doubts has fallen off. This constraint, this continuous stream of doubt that plagues us as long as we are alive, that is destroyed once for all, once that self-knowledge dawns in. That when you have seen the ocean, no one can create doubt in your mind about the existence of ocean. As long as I've read it in the geography book, I'm yet to see the ocean. Someone may come and create a doubt in my mind that there is nothing called ocean. It's all nonsense. But once I have seen, however a person may come and try to convince me that there is nothing called ocean, I, I won't even argue with him. I will just come to the conclusion he's just a mad. He's just an erratic person, just trying to convince me of something which is not reasonable. I won't even argue with him because I have gone beyond the doubts. So that's the idea that when you go to the realization, you go beyond the doubts. That's why we find William James when uh, trying to find out the similarity of the, this, the, the mystic aspect of all the religions. He, told, he used two words that to relate to that experience, that it is very noetic and it is ineffable. Noetic and ineffable. What it means that it is something which I have experienced that no one can, it is something, a unique experience. It is a unique experience, it is not something a mental conjuring. So noetic means I'm sure that I have palpably seen the truth, but it is ineffable. You cannot explain it. 
in the words of ramakrishna kemon ghi na jamon ghi when you taste the clarified water the ghi can you explain the test but do you know what the test is you know so anything which has less attributes the ghee is something which is neither sweet nor sour so these are the attributes sweet sour and the attributes these attributes when it's not there it's without the attributes it is very difficult to explain so all those attributes nothing can explain can define the taste of clarified butter so i cannot explain but does it mean that it has it is something the taste which is uh, which we cannot experience we cannot perceive we can so the one who have tasted the ghee he is beyond that sarva sanshaya all he is beyond the doubt he knows though he cannot explain but he knows he is convinced that he has experienced something which uh, uh, no one can take away from him that experience like no one can create doubt so that's the idea of that vidyate chidyante sarva sanshaya it's a noetic and ineffable experience no one can take it away from you kshiyante chasya karmani all the effects of the karma they won't bear fruit anymore so here the scripture says a very interesting thing that there are three types of karma sanchita karma kriyamana karma and prarabdha karma that because of all our past actions which i am these actions create some scars that when i whenever i do an action i will have a tendency to do it again and again the sanskara is created so because of the sanskara i will be uh, it will uh, force me to do particular things means just to give a common example that i have never tasted a delicacy and one day someone gives me a treat i have the delicacy now as a memory it will be there in my mind whenever i see the delicacy that memory will be revived it it is that once i taste it's not lost as samskara it is there in my mind and when i again see it that samskara comes back as the memory it immediately comes back as the memory so all the past karmas which have been innumerable karmas they find expression in the future lives not all at a time it depends on the favorable circumstances in which i am born the particular bunch of samskaras will find expression not all will find expression that's how this sanchita karma uh, is not that all, that all of them are uh, going to re- result in is going to bear fruit in this life part of them that is the part of them the part of the sanchita karma which will bear fruit is the prarabdha karma to understand this that, that example we gave in a some different context we can give it here that a student is good in studies in all the subjects so he has the sanskara he has developed the sanskara in studying all the subjects he likes as he uh, most probably as a young boy when he was yet to develop love for the studies the parents were insisting the teachers were insisting and so he was doing it willfully by doing it willfully a time came when the sanskara has grown now no one has to say 
he has developed a love for study and it it starts bearing fruit what's the fruit he gets good grades he is getting good grades he is good in literature he is good in science he is good in social science all the subjects is good now when he goes to the 12th standard and now after that he has to choose some professional course so he must probably chooses a medical course as a doctor so now what will happen though he has sanskara he has developed sanskara for this all the subjects to study all the subjects but now in this present scenario in the medical college only the biological science the subject of this biological science the liking for the biological science that will find expression his liking for other subjects his liking for the extracurricular activities like music that will be shadowed for the time being so once he becomes a doctor he is established and then uh, most probably in the mid life when he is quite relaxed free the other samskaras like the his liking for music as his uh, primary student that may be revived because now he has the favorable circumstances so he will understand that all the karmas samskaras don't find expression at a time as in the circumstances in which we are born a particular fund of karma finds expression so that will give you the idea what sanchita karma what prarabdha that the condition in which i am born that in the favorable condition in which i am born the all the samskaras which are favorable for that condition they will find expression that so many times we gave that example that as a lower in the lower birth as an animal as a grazing animal most probably we had a liking for the green the grass so the sanskara of that uh, that's the uh, our liking for the green grass as a samskara is in our mind then why don't we salivate seeing the green grass because the human birth is not favorable for that when i am born as a human all the samskaras which are favorable for the human birth they only find expression others are hidden they may find expression if again i am born as a grazing animal then they will again find expression because of our karma sometimes we have high birth sometimes low birth as per our birth they will find expression so whatever karma has started finding expression that are the prarabdha karma and so sanchita karma we have understood all the storehouse of our karmas along with their samskaras are the sanchita they all don't come back as memory only a few of them come back for as memory as per the present uh, circumstance in which we are born so those which come back as memory that result in the prarabdha karma but at the same time i am doing action even at present kriyamana karma they also are going to the storehouse of my this chitta they are also going as sanskara to bear fruit again in future so that's why kriyamana karma sometime is called as uh, agami it is who is going which is going to bear result in future so though agami is not uh, the exact word because sanchita all the sanchita karma also is going to bear result in the future so better say kriyamana karma so when they say kshiyante chasya karmani actually what it is saying that all the sanchita karma and the kriya karma karma the actions which i am doing at present they won't bear result anymore 
but the prarabdha karma, the force with which the present life has uh, originated, the present life in in which I am, the force of action which is behind that, that has to be expended. That I cannot, uh, I have no control over that. Though it has to be expended, from outwardly, others will see that I am experiencing the results of my action. Maybe even as a realized soul, I am suffering or I am enjoying, whatever it may be. But the one who has realized, he knows the body-mind complex is going through the experiences as per its past, uh, this, uh, uh, what you say, the past karma. But he is totally detached. He or she knows that they are just the part of the body-mind. It doesn't affect me. As Sri Ramakrishna, when he was suffering from the throat cancer, anyone is to ask him, sir, how are you? He is to say, the body knows it's suffering. The mind is totally absorbed in the contemplation of Brahman. It's in bliss. So that's the idea of karma. That in the scripture, that example which we give again and again of the archer. An archer, uh, he most probably is a hunter, has gone to the forest to uh, just hunt the birds. So he, seeing a bird sitting on the tree, he took an arrow from the quiver and shot that arrow. And now after shooting the arrow, he was not convinced that this arrow will strike. He may miss the target. It may not strike the bird. So before the arrow strikes the bird, he picks up another arrow and keeps it on the bow and has pulled the string. The string was about to shoot the second arrow when the thought of this, uh, what you say that uh, ahimsa, that the idea of non-violence, the compassion dawns in. Then suddenly he thinks, oh, it's not a good idea. It's not good to kill animals. I should desist from it. Now, the arrow which he has already fixed in his bow, is about to pull. That arrow won't be shot anymore. All the arrows which are in the quiver, they won't be used anymore. But the arrow which has already been shot, which is about to hit the target, he has no control over it. So that's the prarabdha. So when the scripture says, Kshiyante Chasya Karmani, so that all the works is to bear fruit. Yes, it's all the fruits of actions which are stored, are stored as a Sanchita Karma. All the actions which I'm going to do now, they won't be a result because the realization has dawned in. But the results of the action which uh, I have done in the past and which have started yielding result, I have no hand over them. It has to, uh, its momentum has to exhaust and then, then um, the, I will be rendered this liberation, the freedom. So that's till it is exhausted, this existence, from the realization till the exhaustion of the prarabdha karma is the period which is being termed as the state of jivan mukti. That though you're living, you're free. Why you're free? Because the body-mind complex is going through the experiences. But you know for certain that they are not, it is not you who are experiencing. 
It is you, you are the Atman, you are the Brahman, is the body-mind complex which you are witnessing. That's going through all the experiences. So you have got totally disidentified from the body-mind complex. So they in no way affect you. So that's the state of Jivan Mukti. That's why Shankaracharya says that that's that the goal of human birth is to attain that state. Once you go to that realization, now all the karma, the Sanchita karma, Kriyamana karma, got exhausted. The Prarabdha has to be exhausted through experiencing. But it's the body-mind complex that is experiencing. You are totally detached from it. That's the state of Jivan Mukti. And that's what Shankaracharya say is saying in Vivek Churamani as the goal of human birth. The Jivan Mukti Sukha Prapti Hetave Janmadharana. The human birth is to enjoy that state of freedom while living. So you need not have to die and then go to heaven. It's not something, this post-mortem experience. It's here and now. That's that's why in Upanishad, the idea, this iha iha, again is spoken of. Iha iva, iha iva, here alone, that experience, you can experience that highest uh, uh, the spiritual evolution that is possible can be experienced here in this life. So once you go to that realization and realize that it is a self which is percolating through the mind and the senses, which is has been realized by you. Once that is done, then all this, the three things happens. This, all the knots of the heart is cut asunder, all the doubts are resolved, and the works cease to bear fruit. The Sanchita karma and the Kriyamana karma cease to bear fruit, and the Prarabdha, once exhausted, so there's no more karma remains to bear fruit. So then this, uh, what you say, this, Jivan Mukti, the state of Jivan Mukti ends in Atyantika Mukti. That you get liberated once for all. There is no comeback of such a person. So once you have realized the soul of the, uh, the Brahman who is, who is uh, being projected as the mind, as the senses, as the body. He once is realized, you go beyond this, all the doubts and the knots of hurt are broken and all the karma gets exhausted. <clears throat> in the, the Brahman described in the foregoing verses is again explained in the, the ninth mantra also. What's the next mantra? That Hiranmaye Parekoshe Virajam Brahma Nishkalam Tat Shubram Jyotisham Jyotihi Tat Yat Atma Vidaha Vidahu. So the self which is being realized, what is its nature? Hiranmai Parekoshe Virajam Brahma Nishkalam. Tat Shubram. Tat. Means see this word Tat is very interesting. In, uh, tat is, means that. It's neither feminine nor masculine. As it is beyond all attributes. So you cannot in any way use any adjective to define that. So it's been defined as Tat. That. And that is something stainless. Virajam. It is indivisible. Nishkalam, Shubram, this Brahma Nishkalam, Virajam. Virajam means it is stainless, it is pure, it is indivisible, and it shines in the highest golden sheath, Hiranmai Parekoshe. What it actually is indicating? 
that the intellect, the in, the, uh, it's, the state is not like a deep sleep. Your mind is extremely aware. Your mind is in totally is absorbed in the contemplation of Brahman. That Brahmakara Vritti alone is there, which is illumining the mind and all other vrittis has fallen off. That is the highest golden shit, the Hiranmaye Parekoshe. That, that we go on identifying in so many uh, various levels of our existence. The idea of Panchakosha is there. That when I say I am the body, I am identifying with the physical existence. When I say I am sick, I am healthy. I am identifying with the prana, with the vitality. I cannot be sick. The self is always uh, beyond all disease. So when I say I am diseased or I am enjoying health, I am identifying with the prana. I am identifying with my mind. I am identifying with my intellect. So these are so many levels of this identification. These are the ideas of kosha. Here the kosha is hiranmay, pare, which is beyond all these koshas. What is that? When because of deep contemplation, you are not yet one with the Brahman, but the mind is bereft of all other mental modules. It is bereft of all the desires. Only the contemplation, the thought of Brahman, Brahmakara Vritti alone is the mind, illumining the mind. It is neither in deep sleep, tamas, nor it is restless. It is in pure state of sattva where it is fully illumined. So that's the state, that's the, that's the idea behind Hiranmaye Parekoshe. But this idea Parekoshe is important. That he is beyond even that Hiranmaya Kosha. Hiranmaya Kosha is a state where a mind is constantly contemplating on Brahman and all other thoughts have fallen off. But Brahman is not that, he's beyond that. That's para means something beyond. So that's Brahman is even beyond that. So that one thought, the Brahmakara Vritti also has to fall off to go to, to realize the self, which is the core of our being. That's the Hiranmaya Parekoshe, Virajam, Brahmanishkalam, Tat Shubram. That's the only thing which is pure. Jyoti Shang Jyoti. He is the light of all the things which is being illumined. So they know that uh, it is that which they know who know the self. So So the one who has realized the self, they alone know that the self is beyond the intellect. And it is virajam, it is pure, it is something nishkalam, which can be is indivisible, which has no parts. It is pure and it is the light of all the lights. It is the ultimate source of luminosity. So that's being described in this mantra. So we will take up this mantra again, this ninth mantra. From this we will start again in the next class. We will uh, just go to the some, some vivid explanation of this loka before we proceed to the, uh, the uh, succeeding mantras again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.